before we get started on the sermon, I did want to uh, let you know uh, about some new resources that we have out in the hallway. Uh, there's some in the hallway, and then there's some on uh, in our fellowship hall where the you see all the books. Uh, these books are different from the other books that you, that you see. These little booklets are free for the taking. Okay, uh, if you see. Down here at the bottom, it says church questions. Any of those little booklets that say church questions on them are free for you to take. These are uh, items that we've purchased that we feel will be a benefit to you. And so there's a whole bunch of them, just a few that I picked up uh, this morning. To, For example, uh, why should I be baptized? Uh, why should I give to my church? How can I love church members with different politics? And then, how can I serve my church? And again, that's just a few of those. Those are free. Please do not feel guilty or uh, like you have to give anything to take these little books. Uh, there's, there's a number of them. Uh, it's a series that is put out uh, by Nine Marks, a ministry that uh, we are very uh, supportive of. And so, I think they can be a help to you, you know. Uh, and so please avail yourself of those and uh, enjoy them. And when you finish reading it, you can keep it or you can pass it on to somebody. Whatever you want to do, it's yours to do what you want to. All right. This morning we have a baby dedication. And uh, children are uh, a blessing from the Lord. And, you know, they, they, they grow up and then they're, they're so cute and adorable and then they start saying things, and then they'll say your name, and then your heart melts, and all that type of thing. Uh, but uh, we don't stay that way, do we? Right? Uh, they 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 grow, and then then they learn uh, how to say no. And uh, that's that's when uh, my pastor back in West Virginia told us. He said the terrible twos begin not at the age of two, but when your children learn to say no back to you. Right? And so uh, they have to learn how to behave themselves. And, and I can remember uh, different times when our kids were, were acting up. I probably said something along these lines, uh, but you're a Harris. Act like you have some sense, right? Uh, act like you have some sense. In other words, you have a name. You have a reputation as a Harris that you need to... To act a certain way, you know, we have certain expectations uh, upon our children, and we we want that because we want them to grow and mature and to be uh, decent human beings, but ultimately with the goal of seeing them saved. And so, in Ephesians 4:1, Paul states this. And if you want to turn there, we're not going to have the scriptures up on the screen this morning. So, if you want to find a Bible, we have some pew Bibles there. But in Ephesians 4.1, Paul states, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Now, what have we been called to? Well, that comes in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And just briefly, what he is writing to this church about, his, he tells us that God has called us to himself through salvation by faith in Christ. So God has called us to Himself through salvation 
by faith in Christ. Christ alone, cornerstone. He is the only foundation for our faith. There's no other way to heaven. You can't work your way there. You can't buy your way there. And you wouldn't want to rent, right? So what God has provided is He provided a sacrifice on our behalf, Jesus Christ, so that if we place our faith in Christ as the sacrifice for our sins, God will forgive us our sins. And then we are told that God not only chose us for salvation in chapter 1, verse 4, but He's placed us in Christ and adopted us into His family. So we are adopted into God's family. And then He reveals to us His plan to unite the physical and spiritual worlds in Christ. And and He also has called us to building believers together into a place where He can dwell among us in chapter 2, verse 22. And so He has called us. and And then... He's, he's done all these things for us in Jesus Christ. And then Paul makes this statement about a worthy life, a walk that is worthy of the calling that we've been called to. But what kind of life is worthy of that calling, a calling to be adopted into God's family? Well, because of all that God has done for us in choosing us for salvation, placing us in Christ, adopting us as sons, revealing His plans to us, and building believers together into a dwelling place for Himself, we find that we should strive together to be today what we one day will be in Christ. We should strive together to be today what we one day will be in Christ. What does that mean? Well... I can remember, man, I, I couldn't wait growing up uh, to play football. You know, I'd, I'd watched football on TV, and they, they used to have these shows put together, and they had this guy that had this golden voice, you know, and he would, he would talk, and he'd say, On the frozen tundras, the teams gathered together. And then they'd play this music in the background, dramatic music, and then they'd show these guys just smearing one another, and it was just like, Oh, I can't wait. And so I remember as a seventh grader going out and, and trying out for the team and, and putting on those pads for the first time and getting the helmet on and that type of thing. And, and man, I was a football player. But I didn't know what in the world I was doing. Right? I can remember, even, even as a seventh grader, now we were seventh through ninth grade, and, and I remember practicing and learning. And, you know, so so we, we, we grow Right? You get better, you practice, and you get better. And I remember the first game ever. One of the kids, one of the ninth graders couldn't play. He had to be out of town for some reason. And so I was the backup linebacker on defense. And I'm so jacked up, you know. And I get out there, seventh grader, the first play happens, and I'm running, and then there's a tackle. And, like, and I get up, and I'm like, I can't find my mouthpiece. And I'm like, where's my mouthpiece? Where's my mouthpiece? And I go up to my, my cousin who was a ninth grader, and I said, Terry, Terry, where's my mouthpiece? And he just looks at me, and he just walks away. And I'm like, and then I look, and it's hanging down from my face mask. And, you know, I was so excited. I just couldn't grasp everything that was going on. And so, so all that excitement, I was not the football player on day one that I would one day be years later because there was a lot of growth that had to happen. And it's the same way when God adopts us into His family. We are newborns in the family of God. And we have to learn 
to be like Jesus, to be like God. We have to grow. And so, because of that, God wants us to walk in a way. He wants us to walk as mature Christians. So we want to strive together to be today what we one day will be in Jesus Christ. Because there's going to come a day when we're called to God himself. And this struggle and fight with sin on this earth will be over. And we'll be given new bodies. And we'll dwell with him in eternity. That will be our glorification. And what a wonderful day that will be. But until then, we are to try to attain that down here. Now, we're not trying to attain that for our salvation. We're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Let me be clear. You don't work for your salvation. You can't earn it. Okay? But once we're adopted into God's family, he wants us to become more like him. So, Paul talks about this worthy walk. And we're going to cover a ton of scriptures today. And as a result of that, I've given you an outline up here. You can write that down. You can snap a picture of it on your phone. Don't ever take what I say for granted or, or, or to be true without challenge. I'm going to ha- we're not going to be able to dive into individual scriptures this morning, so I'm going to encourage you. Go home and read the book of Ephesians. Read chapters uh, 4 and 5 in particular that we're going to be covering today because we're going to hit the main points because five times in this, path, in this passage... Paul talks about our walk, our manner of life, and we're going to hit on those. And then there's subpoints underneath that that I'm just going to tell you what it says, and you're going to have to go and you're going to have to say, well, now, is what Pastor said really right? And that's okay. Truth doesn't fear a challenge. Okay? So God's Word's what's important. Follow God's Word. Follow what I say as long as it matches with God's Word. So, let's look together today at what a worthy walk looks like. First of all, we're going to see that a worthy walk strives together for unity as we mature into Christ's likeness. A worthy walk strives together for unity as we mature into Christ's likeness. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Now, In English, we don't have a plural for you. In Texas, we do. It's called y'all. But since the rest of the world doesn't necessarily understand Texan, they just put you in there. But I'm going to say y'all this morning as we're reading this passage when it's talking about the plural. Because I think it's important that we understand this is a team effort. It's not an individual. It's a team effort. So I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge y'all to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which y'all have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now jump down to verse 13, because we're to strive together in unity as we mature. Ephesians 4:13. until we all attain to the unity of the faith, And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, how many of you, uh, when you were growing up, your parents had some place on the wall or on the door facing that they measured you? Anybody? I know I did. Okay. So I think of that when I think of this. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's like Jesus Christ is this tall. And we're waiting to grow up to be like him. Okay? That's what he's getting after here. So we are to love and help one another to walk a worthy walk so that the body of Christ grows 
to mature manhood. Now, your salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But your sanctification, that's your growing into Christ-likeness, or maturing in Christ, your sanctification is a group project led by pastors. And you're going to find that in Ephesians 4, especially somewhere around verses 11 and 12. Your sanctification is a group project led by pastors. So, I'm not just responsible for my Christian growth. I'm also responsible for the growth of other Christians. Well, which other Christians? Because there's a lot of them. Well, in particular, you're most responsible for the ones who have covenanted together with you in membership at a church. In other words, we've agreed that we're going to oversee one another's growth in Christ by joining together in church membership. You may work with a Christian that goes to another church and you can help them and you can counsel them and that type of thing. But as far as authority goes, they've submitted themselves to a different set of people and a different group. And so there's only so far you can go in their lives as far as helping them to grow and to maybe perhaps rebuke them if they're walking in a way that doesn't honor Christ versus if you're in a church and you have membership in a church, you can take it to the point where you say, hey, look, you're not walking in the way that you should and we're no longer going to consider you a member of Faith Baptist Church. Okay, So that responsibility comes to those who have covenanted together. So the question that I ask you this morning is, who are you helping to grow in their faith? Because it's a group project. Who are you helping to grow in their faith? And then have you committed to a church in covenant membership, submitting to the leadership of the pastors and taking responsibility for the growth of the other members and accepting their help in your growth? We have to strive together to be to get today what we one day will be in Christ. We need one another. So a worthy walk strives together for unity as we mature. But a worthy walk also strives together to imitate God. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 17. And this continues through five, chapter 5, verse 1. Again, we're going to hit the highlights here. But Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now when he uses the word Gentiles here, he's talking about unsaved people. People who are not following Christ. You used to be one of those people. You walked and you learned their ways in rebellion to God. You can't walk that way anymore. You can't walk like the Gentiles do. And he emphasizes that in verse 20. He says, that's not the way you learned Christ. He describes how the Gentiles walk. And he says, that's not the way you learned Jesus Christ. And he goes down verse 22 Ephesians 4.22, he says, We are to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So we're to repent of that. We're to put that off. Verse 23, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? Now, there, there, there comes a time uh, when you have kids, and, and they, it happens from day one, right? But, but as they grow, they're like, oh, they kind of look like dad. 
more than they do mom, right? Or I can see a little bit of, of dad, but they look mostly like mom and that type of thing. There's a likeness there. There's like which one do they favor in their looks? Okay? Here's what happens. When we're born again, we're given new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells us. And he says that we are giving a, given a new self that is created in the likeness of God. Now, what does God look like? Well, true righteousness and holiness. Righteous deeds and holiness. That's what God looks like. That's what the new self looks like. And so he says in Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. So, once you trust Christ as your Savior, you're given the, new, the Holy Spirit, you're born again, and then we spend our time saying, I'm going to put off my old self and the things and the habits that I learned and the ways that I learned that were rebellious against God, and I'm going to put on the new self created after the image of God. And I'm going to be an imitator of God as His child. We learn a lot by imitating our parents, don't we? I can remember my dad driving the truck, and, and it was a stick shift, and it was actually on the column. And I can remember sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching him, and I start putting my feet on the clutch and the gas and everything. And then my dad notices he's doing that, and then my dad starts, you know, janking around with his feet like he's dancing a jig. But we learn from our parents. And, and so we learn most by imitation. And so that's what he's saying here. We need to imitate God. Now, here's the thing. I can remember, not just once, unfortunately, but I can remember particularly one time we're driving down the road. Courtney's in her car seat in the back. <clears throat> Kim and I are sitting up front, and she's back there. And then she says something, and I don't like what she said. And I said, don't say that. And Kim says, you say that. Hmm. So we learn from our parents and it ain't all good, right? So, this is the challenge. You know, we, we dedicated the child. Jesse and Mandy, one of the things, the best things you can do for your children is you imitate God. You imitate Christ. And they see that. And they imitate. But the problem is we're, we're faulty. And there will be times we have to apologize to our children. Now, that's from a family point of view. But your kids learn what's most important in your life by watching you, not so much listening. Because it, it, it's not one of those things where you can say, do as I say, not as I do. They're going to see what you do. What's the most important thing in your life? Is it your spouse? Well, your spouse is important. Is your spouse more important than God? Is work the most important thing in your life? Some of you may struggle with putting your children first. And look, it's, it's good to love your children, but you don't love your children more than you do God. Right? We, we get things out of, ba- out of balance, out of whack. We love God first, and that love then flows down through the rest of our lives. Is God the most important thing in your life? Your children can tell, parents. But those of us who don't have kids, or our kids are grown up and they've moved out, or that type of thing... We're supposed to be following Christ, but we can't always tell if we're doing that right. Just like when, when Courtney said something and I said, well, that sounds terrible. Don't say that. And then my wife says, well, she learned it from you, right? 
That's where the church comes in and says, hey, I noticed you saying something or doing something. Be careful. Okay, so as God's child, we need to imitate him. We're told some of what that looks like in verses 25 through 32. I'm just going to pop through these. Number one, you're to be truthful with others in your speech. Verse 25. You're not to let anger move you to sin, thus becoming a pawn in Satan's work. Verse 26. You see, God shows anger, but he never sins. We need to exhibit that same self-control. I've found the best way for me is just don't get angry. Right? Try to find a way to process that anger that is in a righteous way. Verse 28, you are to labor honestly so you can be generous towards those who have needs. And it talks about the thief, let the thief who stole steal no more, but let him labor with his hands that he may be able to give. It's not just people who stole in the past that have to be generous with what they have. We're all to be generous because that's God's characteristic. He's generous to the evil and the good, we're told. So that's verse 28. Your speech is to be gracious and beneficial for others' growth in Christ's likeness. That's verse 29. What we say should be gracious and beneficial. And then in verse 32, you are to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving of others. And man, that just sounds great, doesn't it? I remember Courtney learning in uh, Christian school when she was little. And be ye kind. One to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ's sake has forgiven you. Do, 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 do. Let's sing it again and then again, right? And man, that sounds beautiful. But what does forgiveness mean? If you have to forgive somebody, they hurt you. They wronged you. That's what that means. Now it doesn't sound so beautiful. We love forgiveness when it's towards us, right? When somebody else is forgiving us. But boy, when we have to forgive others when they've wronged us, that's harder. But that's God. And that's what He did do for us in Christ. Imitate Him. Be truthful. Don't let your anger move you to sin. Be generous to others. Let your speech be gracious and building up of others. Not snarky and tearing down people. You're to be kind compassionate and forgiving of others. We must strive together to be today what we one day will be in Christ. A worthy walk strives together to imitate God. But then also a worthy walk strives together to love sacrificially like Jesus Christ loved us. Ephesians 5 verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We too should live our lives as an offering to God for His purposes. And in this context, God's purpose is for His people to mature in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the context, right? We're all supposed to be maturing and growing into the image of Christ. God's purpose for His people is to mature. So we are to sacrificially spend our time our talents and abilities, and our treasure on making disciples. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, right? I mean, we always compare ourselves to one another. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, which one of us is the best? Which one of us gets to sit at your right hand in your kingdom? 
And he called them to himself, Matthew 20, 25 through 28. He called them to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. There's a hierarchy. And he says this, It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Serve other people like a servant would. And then he says, And whoever would be first? You want to be number one in God's kingdom? Be a slave to others. In other words, totally put off your rights in order to serve others. Die to yourself and serve others. And he says, and then he gives himself as an example, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Compare yourself to Christ, because Christ was worthy of being served. He's God in the flesh. He deserves to be worshipped, adored, given everything. And he came down here, and he didn't take any of that. He served others. He is our example. So a worthy walk strives together to love others sacrificially like Christ did. We're to live our lives as living sacrifices. And we will be fragrant offerings and sacrifices to God with our lives. You ever get out of the car and somebody in your neighborhood is, is smoking some meat or grilling? And you're just like, oh, that smells good. Let your life be a life of service where you serve others. So a worthy walk strives together to love others sacrificially like Christ did. And then, number four, a worthy walk also strives together for holiness in word and deed. Look at Ephesians 5 now, verses 8 through 10. And again, we have this plural you. So I'm going to say y'all. But Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 10. For at one time, y'all were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. God is the light, and it denotes holiness, right? When you have light, it exposes darkness, you ever have one of those times when you when you uh, put a new light in a room and when you put it in, it's brighter than the old light that you had and you look over in the corner and there's some cobwebs and maybe maybe you see some cracks in the ceiling that you didn't see before? Light exposes the defects, if you will. Well, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all, the Apostle John talks about. In other words, He's holy and so we are His children So God is light, and it denotes holiness. And we see it in the surrounding verses. If you go up to verse 3 and verses 5 and 6, we see that we should refrain from sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness, desiring other people's stuff, trying to keep up with the Joneses. You should refrain from those things. And I'm going to let you dig into what you think that's about. But it's pretty easy with sexual immorality and impurity, right? We see that around us all the time on the television, on the Internet. So we are to refrain from that. We're to refrain from a life of desiring what everybody else has and accumulating things for ourselves. And then it says your speech is to be thankful instead of crude and foolish means you're going to have to walk away when people are talking filthy at work and they're telling crude jokes. Just walk away. 
Don't laugh. Don't be a part of that. Your speech is to be gracious and thankful to the Lord for what He's provided for you. And then you, as a light of righteousness, are to gently expose works of darkness. That's chapter 5, verse 11. We're to expose sinful things, but do so in a gentle and kind way. You're not supposed to be that, that mean zealot at work who's always condemning people, but at the same time we stand for righteousness. And so this is where you must be willing to listen to your fellow church members when they gently warn or correct you. We don't always see when we're on a dangerous path or notice when our speech is crude and foolish instead of thankful. So we need others to be light that shines on us and exposes any works of darkness in our lives. Listen, when somebody corrects you, usually it's because they love you. Because quite honestly, it's easier not to say anything, right? Preserve the relationship. But if somebody loves you, they'll speak into your life. So we must strive together to be today what we one day will be in Christ. A worthy walk strives together for holiness in word and in deed. And then finally, a worthy walk strives together to make the best use of your time. Look at chapter 5, verse 15. He says, look carefully how y'all walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, real quickly, and again, you have to look these up, but we make the best use of our time by discerning the Lord's will together. Chapter five, verse 16. Is this right or wrong for me to participate in this? What do you think? We talk to one another. We discern what is good and pleasing to the Lord. Verse 19 We make the best use of our time by being filled with the Spirit when we gather together to sing. Now, the Spirit indwells every believer, but this talks about a filling or a controlling, like a hand in a glove. And so, he says, be filled by the Spirit, and it happens when we gather together as a church, in particular when we're singing about God. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I have like a favorite drink of mine, and I'm going to go get a cup full. I don't, I don't want those little communion cups that we serve, right? <laughs> no. I want a big cup. I want, I, want a cup, I want a cup like Clifton brings when he's making tea. He's got this big giant cup that he fills with ice, and then he pours that hot tea when it's brewed over top of it. It's a big old huge cup that he has. And I don't know if you might remember seeing Joyce in here. Sometimes she has this one Mountain Dew mug. Remember that? Some of you older folks are laughing. You've seen Joyce with her big... Look, that's the kind of cup I want. Well, I would say to you, being if, if, if I can be filled and controlled with the Spirit, if, if that's what happens when I gather with other Christians, I want to do that as much as I can. And so I think it's very important for you to be here for the services of the church. Come to Sunday school. Come to the church service. Come on Wednesday nights. We've got things here for all ages on Wednesday nights. Come to the ladies' fellowships. Come to the men's prayer breakfast. Come to the church fellowships that we have. These are just times we gather together, beloved. And we can encourage one another and use those building up words that we are told to speak to one another. Be filled with the Spirit when we gather. Okay. Verse 20, we are to give thanks for all things at all times. Make the best use of your time by being thankful. You mean, Pastor, when I have a flat tire, I'm supposed to be thankful? 
Well, let me see here. All things. Yeah, yeah. God's got a plan. Be thankful. And then, verse 21, submitting to our God-given authorities. In verse 21. And, and, and he's going to further explain submission in, in chapter 5, verses 22 through chapter 6, verse 9. How does submission work in the family with the wife and the husband and the children? And how does it work in the workplace with servants to their masters? And that, that type of thing. So, submission falls into the rest of it. But the best use of your time is discerning the Lord's will, being filled with the Spirit by gathering at all the services and all the times. That you, like, it's just like, I can't get enough of, of you people. And you say, well, some of you are kind of hard to bear with. Well, that's why we're to bear with one another in love. We're to be like Jesus, giving thanks, submitting to our God-given authority. Prioritize your church family in your life. It is the most obvious way your children will see that God is most important to you is that when God's people are gathered, you are there with them. A worthy walk strives together to make the best use of your time. So what kind of life is worthy of our calling? Well, because of all God has done for us in choosing us for salvation and placing us in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, adopting us as sons, revealing to us His plan to unite the physical and spiritual worlds in Christ, and building believers together into a dwelling place for Himself. Because of all that, we should strive together to make the best use of our time. So that's a life worthy of our calling. Are you living your life in a manner that's worthy of your calling? If not, we're here to help. We're not meant to live this Christian life in isolation. So a few questions for you. Number one, first, are you saved? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sin about the old self, put Him off and put on Christ, that's what you need to do. Call out to God and ask Him to forgive you of your sins because of what Christ did on your behalf. Repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Secondly, then... Are you baptized? Have you been baptized? Thirdly, are you a member of a church? Are you a member of a church? Have you committed to others and accepted their commitment to you to see you grow in Christ's likeness? Are you learning more about Jesus so you can imitate Him better? Do you know Jesus? Do you know what He was like? Have you, do you read about Him? He's wonderful. Are you sacrificially serving others? Are you living a holy life in word and deed? Are you making the best use of your time by gathering as often as you can with your church family? All these questions, if God has pricked your heart this morning, I urge you, call out to God, ask Him to forgive you, and then start walking in a way that's worthy. Or, as I said, act like you got some sense to our kids, right? Oh, beloved, we must strive together to be today what we one day will be in Christ. He is worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time to come and look in your word and to be challenged about our walk and how that we need to grow and be more like Jesus with our lives and be committed to your cause, your kingdom, and your will be done. <laughs> your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh. Lord, help us to strive together to be today what we one day will be in heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.